It's time for our scripture reading. Let's turn to the book of Mark. We're going to Mark 12, verses 28 to 31. Mark 12, verses 28 through 31. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the Lord add his blessing as our pastor continues his study in the book of Mark. Is your heart open to the Holy Spirit this morning? Remember, he is a teacher. Are you sitting on the front row, so to speak? Now, we have two who are literally sitting on the front row. But uh, we don't really have enough room in our front row for everybody. But this is a metaphor. It means, are you really paying attention when the Holy Spirit is teaching something? Now, for those of you who have heard me talk about this before, the Holy Spirit being a teacher, what's his favorite subject to teach? Jesus. Jesus is his favorite subject. And he's ready to teach about Jesus. And as Jesus would say, if you have ears then please hear. Please listen carefully. Really listen. So let's ask the Lord to bless us in this today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do have ears. You've made them for us. And we thank you that they are open to hear. But we want to especially be open to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to each individual this morning. So thank you for his beautiful ministry. And open our ears to hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is a passage that is uh, rather familiar to many people. Oh, thank you, John. Appreciate that. Oh, a little extra. <coughs> Still have a little tickle from the cold I had. Oh, that's good. And in verses 28 through 31, the people came and they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? There was this certain gentleman and among the scribes. Now, the scribes were people who studied the, the scriptures a lot. And they copied them and so on. So they were kind of experts, kind of like religious lawyers. 
And so one of them, one of these experts, said, well, what's the best? What's the greatest commandment? And this is uh, well known. He's Actually, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, which was a, a passage that was repeated by the, the, um, the very dedicated Jewish people. They would repeat it every day, this passage. And so it was so familiar. And his, so Jesus is giving them something that is just rather um, matter of fact, rather plain, rather uh, common to them. But he's putting it in this context that this is special. So the common thing is the most special. So look at it here in verse 29. It says, first of all, the commandment is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. This is the first commandment. And then he went on to, to kind of give them something they didn't ask for. And that was the second commandment. And he talked about loving your neighbor as yourself, which is also a quotation from the writings of Moses. So it wasn't something unfamiliar. It was familiar. But he's putting it in this context that it's really special, even though it's familiar. And you need to kind of look at it again. So let's look at it again. These are the two, the first and second commandment. But do you know these are the first and second commandment to be broken in the history of the universe? The first and second commandment to be broken. And who broke it? Who broke those commandments? Lucifer, right. Lucifer, that high exalted angel in a perfect universe. He was the first one who began focusing on himself. Himself. In Isaiah uh, verse, uh, chapter 14, he says there, he said to himself, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. In other words, I want to have a throne above all the angels so they'll all bow down to me. Yes, me. Is that selfish? Was he breaking the commandment? Yes. Was he doing it in order to help all the angels? No. He was doing it only for himself. Was he doing it to help God some way? No. It was just to, for himself. And, in the, and as a matter of fact, not only was he doing it to help the angels, but if he got all the angels to bow down to him, he would actually be hurting them. Because did he deserve to be bowed down to and worshipped? No, he was high and he was perfect when he was created. But does that make you worthy of being worshipped? No, you have to be God to be worshipped. And Lucifer, as exalted as he was as a creature, he was still a creature. He wasn't God. And so he would actually be hurting the angels to get them to worship him. So how many commandments was he breaking? He's breaking both of those commandments that Jesus said were the first and the second. Now, at the same time that he was breaking them and then went on to try to encourage the other angels to break them, two-thirds of the angels said, we're not going to break them. We're going to obey them. We're going to treasure them. We're going to hold on to our worship of God first. Because he deserves it. Two thirds of the angels. 
they cherished those commandments. All through the war in heaven. Are they still cherishing them? Yes. Did they encourage each other to be faithful to God? And that's, they were loving one another, so they were keeping both the first and the second commandment. Now what about here on earth? What about Adam? Now did Adam love Eve? Did he love her enough to die for her? Yes. He loved her enough. Because God had said, when you eat from the fruit, you will surely die. Did Eve eat from the fruit? Yes. And then she brought the fruit to him. And he either had to stop and not eat the fruit and lose her because she would die. Or, this is his thinking apparently, or he would eat the fruit and die with her. Was he willing to die for her? Yes. So he was, was he keeping that first, uh, the second commandment above loving others? Hmm. Well, something else about his love for Eve. His love for Eve that he chose, did that help him keep the first commandment? It didn't. What was he doing? He was taking his love for Eve and putting it above his love for God. You see what happened? He was putting Eve and his, his desire to be with her above his love for God. And was this really helping her? No. And so he was really breaking the second commandment also. Because he wasn't doing the loving thing for her. In reality. Because to join her in separating from God, that's no good. That's not helping her. Well, let's look, let's look at her, though, first, uh, uh, now, at this point. When Eve was at the tree listening to the serpent, what was going on there? The serpent said, if you eat from the tree, you will become like God. Is it good to be like God? Yes and no. It's good to be like God as far as God intends you to be like God. It's not good for you to go beyond the boundaries of what He intends for you. One of the important things for relationships to be healthy, to be strong, to be lasting, is to have healthy boundaries. Have you heard of healthy boundaries? You know, that's like when I, uh, when I was in Virginia, there was a couple who got married, and uh, they didn't have anything. They were young, and, and uh, the 
father of the bride took a piece of his property right across the street from the, the, his home. And he took the property, brought in a double-wide trailer home and set it up there, and that was to be the home for the, this new bride and groom. The trouble was, not only did the father and mother live there, but the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and all kinds of people lived all within two blocks. And they all felt totally, uh, totally, it was a totally appropriate for them to go over and just walk right in the front door without knocking, without calling ahead, without anything. Yeah, family. And can you imagine that after a month or so, the bride was kind of, and the groom too, they were kind of feeling like this isn't helping our marriage. You see, there, there was a boundary, a healthy boundary that the rest of the family was crossing or breaking down without thinking about it. And so that boundary had to be established between the couple and the family in order for the marriage to be saved, to be saved and, and safe. Now, does God have boundaries as to what He wants, what He plans for us in being like Him? Yeah. Does God want us to have the consciousness of everything going on in the universe at this moment? Could we handle it? Would you like that? Would you like to hear all the prayers of all the people in the world right now and answer them all? You know, they had that movie, was it Bruce Almighty? And what did he do? He couldn't take it. And so he just answered yes to all of them. And how did that work? He hadn't thought it through that this person's yes is going to mess up what this person is doing and so on and so on. And so it's much more complicated than we would ever imagine. We can't handle it. So God doesn't intend for us to be like God in that way. We can't, we can't do it. It's sort of like a computer. You know, if you've got a computer that was made in 1990, could you expect it to run some of the programs that are running today? No, nowhere near it. It, w- it, would, it would crash immediately. And that's what would happen to us if we tried to be like God in those things. And so Eve was putting, was really seeking to put herself and her love for herself over her love for God. And so she was breaking that first commandment, wasn't she? Satan got her thinking selfishly without her noticing it. He was saying, you can become like God. That doesn't sound selfish. But if it's not God's plan, then it's selfish. Relationships without healthy boundaries are destructive. Think about God and Cain. Right? God set up what kind of services, what kind of sacrifices he wanted. Cain brought something else. He went outside the boundary. It didn't work. It was destructive to their relationship and he ended up destroying his brother. 
what about King Saul and young David? Did Saul go beyond proper boundaries? Even to try to kill him. And what about Jesus and Judas? Judas was called to be a disciple. But did he want to go beyond being a disciple? Yes, he wanted to control Jesus. So he tried to set things up where Jesus would have to do what Judas wanted him to do. So it breaks the, that first commandment when we go beyond the boundaries. Now let's look at verses 32 to 34. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared question him. Now notice this. He says, if you, if you follow those two great commandments, that's more than all the sacrifices. In other words, that's more important than going to church every Saturday your whole lifetime. It's more important than all your tithes and offerings. It's more important than all your prayers and all your hymns. To love God. To love people. And Jesus said, wow. You really have it. This is a good answer. You are in tune with what heaven wants. And what this man had to offer was he was talking about relating to God in a better way than all the Pharisees, all the religious leaders who were trying to do these other things, but forgetting the love. Now, how do we know that? Well, we're going to find that out in a little bit. Jesus is going to emphasize it. But let's look at verses 35 to 37. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, where was he? In the temple. Had he been in the temple a few days before? And what did he do in the temple? He cast out all the money changers and everybody who was cheating. And just the day before that, he had come into Jerusalem with the big parade, remember? The triumphal entry and the palm branches and all that. And so he's in the temple still. This is probably Tuesday. And he's teaching. And so here we are, verse 35. He's in the temple. He says, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ, the Messiah, is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. 
Excuse me. So Jesus is challenging the people to rethink who the Messiah is, who the Christ is. So they've been looking for the Messiah. They studied different parts of the Old Testament that prophesied about the Messiah. And, but they hadn't put some things together. And Jesus is saying, now let's think about some things you haven't put together. One of them is what David said. David said about the Messiah, he's the Lord. He's my Lord, the Master, the Divine Master. And yet, He's my. we recognize that the Messiah has to be the Son of, from the line of David. Well, how can He be both? He would have to be both the Son of David, a human being, and He would have to be, what? God, the Divine Master, the Divine Lord. He would have to be both. In other words, the Messiah would have to be God coming down in what? Human flesh. This was a new thing. This was amazing. And by the way, what day was this? I just said Tuesday. And what happened on Sunday? The triumphal entry, the palm branches, the robes put on the ground, Jesus on the donkey coming into Jerusalem as the king, and the people said, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David. So what were they saying? This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. And now Jesus said, well, really, who is the Messiah? And what has he just reasoned out to them? The Messiah is God come in human flesh. So Jesus is saying, I am, because he's Messiah, I am God come in human flesh. Now that's very different than before when we saw in the book of Mark many times when he told people, don't say I'm the Messiah. Don't say who I am. Don't tell people what I've done. Now he's coming right out. He's saying not only am I Messiah, I am God. And then don't forget the end of verse 37. And the people, the common people, heard him, what? Gladly. They, they heard him. They heard him that he was God come in human flesh. And they were what about it? They were glad about it. They were glad that this person that they could see right in front of them who had been healing and teaching and coming in with a triumphal entry, who had cleansed out the temple of all the corruption, all the cheating, and was teaching the truth, they were glad when he said, I am God. They were glad 
when he said he is God. How about you? Are you glad that Jesus is God? He's divine. He's not just a nice human being. He's not just a wonderful teacher. He's not just a powerful prophet. He is God. Are you glad? So, if Jesus is God, think about the two commandments, which one applies to him? Number one. He says, if you want to know who is to be worshipped first, it is me. Were they used to thinking like that? He says, if you want to know who is to be worshipped first, it is me. And the people were glad. What about you? Are you worshipping him? Are you loving him first? Are you able to set aside some other things? You know, today... It's very easy to be caught up in politics. Have you ever heard of any politics going on? Have you gotten worked up about politics some days? I've heard of people who watch politics all day long. And they talk politics all night long. And all day long. Or, what about the economy? What's going to happen next? Is the real estate bubble going to burst again? All these things. Is it easy to get caught up in things like that? But can we put those things aside in order to focus on the one who is God, who is to be loved above all, and we can be glad. We can rejoice. We can delight in the fact that Jesus is God. And that Jesus is the one to exalt. To talk about. To praise. To rejoice in. Someone said. Well it's part of a, of a, of a confession in Christianity down through the years. It says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do you like that? I really like that. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So Jesus is talking about love and he says, I'm the one to love first. Well, let's go a little bit further here. Verse 38. Then he said to them in his teaching, beware of the scribes. There was a scribe just before who asked him those questions. Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. So, the example of the wrong way to love is the scribes. 
Sometimes it says scribes and Pharisees. They're, they were kind of in the same group. Why were they an example of the wrong way to love? Because who did they love? Themselves. They put on a big show in order to get accolades to themselves. And Jesus said, I can see right through that. They're breaking the greatest commandment and they're breaking the second commandment as well because what were they doing with the poor people, the widows and so on? Totally taking advantage of them. So Jesus says, that's the wrong way. Don't give me this stuff about being religious and not loving. It's not, that's not it. It doesn't work. And then notice the next thing that the Holy Spirit put in this chapter. You've probably never thought of it in this context before. Verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. And remember, he's in the temple. He sat opposite the treasury. The treasury was the box where they put the, the offerings and tithes in. They didn't pass things like we do. We, do you know why we do that? Why do we pass plates instead of having a big box up here and just line up and you come up and put it in the box? Why do we do it with plates? So it's private between you and God. If you came up and put your bag of money in or your two pennies, you would be doing it where? In front of everybody. So we don't do that. We pass the plate. Nobody sees what you put in, especially if you're using the envelopes. And you just put it in, and it's just between you and God. Not, not getting selfish, uh, self-centered praise or something. So, he's sitting beside the treasury. So they did have the box there. And people went up, and, they, they, and some of the rich people made quite a show. They'd take their... their and it would, oh, this is so heavy. And they would... Really hold it up high so everybody can see how much they're putting in there. I wonder if some of them put rocks so that it would clunk when it got to the bottom or something. But Jesus said, he's watching them, and, and he saw the people who put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. And then one poor widow, widow? Have you seen that word widow recently? Oh context the story of the widow was told right after Jesus talked about the scribes and Pharisees doing what taking advantage of widows interesting then he saw one poor widow she came and she threw in two mites which make a, a quadrant so in other words less than a penny and he called his disciples to him and he said to them Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she put out of her poverty and put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. If you want an example of the right way to love, it's the widow. Someone who's keeping the commandments of God the two commandments, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Because she was putting it in out of gratitude. She put in everything because she saw that God was everything to her. 
And she was worshiping God and, and wanting to take part in His kingdom, in His activities. And she knew that His activities were to help people. And she wanted to give to the help of other people. She was keeping both commandments out of a heart of gratitude and praise and worship. That's the right way to obey. So what do we see in Jesus in this portion of Scripture? Do we see a wise guy with clever answers? Or do we see a determined physician cutting deep to get to the true problem and providing the needed remedy? Do we see God the Creator who became a man in order to save us. And not just all of us, but each one, even a lowly widow whom He noticed and commended and delighted in. Do we see one who was sickened by religious observances that are done with wrong motives, but delights in those who have their hearts overflowing with love and faith and a heart appreciation for all of His goodness and love? What has the Holy Spirit impressed you with today concerning Jesus? He wants you to tell Him right now. He wants to hear you say it. Just privately. Between you and Him. We'll take a moment of silent prayer so you can respond to this part of Scripture to the Lord right now. Let us pray. Oh, dear Lord, we see in you such greatness. Such greatness. We're glad that you are God. Oh, we're so glad. You, in your, your mercy, your thoughtfulness, your compassion and humility, you, a careful surgeon, probing to find those areas that need to be removed from our hearts and minds, that we might be made whole, healed, pure, healthy, and rejoicing. Oh, dear Lord, we want no other Lord but you. No other Savior will do. No other God. You are the only one. And we rejoice in you today. We pray this in your lovely name. Amen.
Our closing hymn is number 241. Number 241. Let's stand as we sing it together. Philemon, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.